Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 40 of the podcast. This week, I have LGBTQ influencer and educator Zoe Stoller on the podcast. Zoe talks about gender identity, sexual assault, coming out, mental health systems at universities, working for Teaching for America, what pen face means, and a bunch of other amazing stuff. So please enjoy the podcast. Everybody and welcome to Doing Time, where humans talk about their experiences in a psych ward. Today we have guest Zoe Stoller, who is a writer, educator, social work student um, who advocates for LGBTQ and mental health. How are you doing, Zoe? I am doing super well. How about you? I'm good. Thanks for asking. Um, so a little bit different because I typically have comedians on the podcast. Um, but <laughs> I wanted to have you on because I'm really looking to like expand. Um, the topics that I've been talking about, um, because typically the podcast, I've really dove into anxiety, depression, OCD, how that affects, you know, day-to-day life and stuff like that. Um, and I've had like a wide array of topics on my podcast, but I really wanted to get into like LGBTQ and then also somebody who's like educating other people about it. Um, and so I'm really going that route with my podcast. So I'm really excited to have you on. Yeah, I think that's a wonderful route to go, and I'm super honored that you have me on and you, you know, invited me to join you today. Yeah, of course. Um, so I always get right into it. I'm not sure if you've listened to the podcast, but the first question I always ask is, how much time have you done? And typically that's like psych ward stays. Um, but if you haven't been in like a mental health hospital, it would be like in therapy or like time that you're like, I wasted a month because I was so depressed, that kind of stuff. Um, so yeah. Yes. Uh, so I've been in therapy for five years. Um, I have not been in a psych ward, but because I, like, I, when I was really struggling, I would, like, lie a lot about, like, my symptoms and, and different things, and, like, you know, I, I've had times where I attempted suicide and told people oh, wow. that, it like, it was uh, an accident because I, like, took pills and things like that, so, like, it was mm. because of my my lying that I think I did not ever, you know, get committed to a place, but definitely I was on, like, a high-risk you know list in my college because it was there it was in college when I was really struggling and like the college was really trying to like kick me out because they they didn't care really if I was struggling they just didn't want me to struggle like on their campus you know um oh my god okay yes I I literally (laughs) went through these same exact things so keep going but I just I I would love to dive into it too yeah so go ahead Yes, no, I, I would love to chat more about that because that's not something that I really, like, talk much about. Like, the school really, like, harassed me. Like, I had gone through um, a trauma five years ago, which is when I started therapy and, like, was, but I was really struggling at the time. Um, and I, like, assumed that I could go to the school for, like, help and guidance in the same way that I was, like, going to therapy for that. Um, yeah, you're like, I, I assumed I could get help. Yeah, literally. <laughs> like, I, I assumed... just could yeah. go to therapy for therapy. Yeah. Yes, exactly. I assumed I could, like, open up to people and they would like have my best interest in mind but of course that's not always the case and I was really like harassed by my school and like I it felt like you know they were like worsening my my depression so much and like just causing so much 
extra trauma that I, I like was not expecting, you know? Um, but okay, like, that's yeah. something so that you I needed like, really... yeah, you needed like therapy yeah. for your therapy basically. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's uh, yeah. like, yeah, no, I've, I, yeah, I get it. So where did you, where did you go to school? If I don't mind you asking. Yeah, I went to the University of Pennsylvania, which is a very, like, work hard, play hard environment, um, and mm-hmm. definitely there's this, like, phenomenon that they call head face, where, like, everyone has a smile on their face, and even if you're struggling, you're not supposed to show it, and you keep it inside, and I definitely, yeah. like, fell into that, you know? Mm-hmm. My cousin went there and played football, and I mm. knew one of the biggest, um, like, I guess track stars there committed suicide. Um oh, yeah. And, yeah. like, that was a huge thing, and there was, like, a whole entire book about it because it was, like, basically, like, a Division One athlete who took her life, um, which I'm sure she had pen face because that's, like, you know, that's the, mm-hmm. that's ultimately what a lot of students with mental health struggle with is, like, putting on that front, especially as an athlete because you're, like, supposed to practice no matter how you feel. Um, so when did you start experiencing um, – or when did you – I guess we can go back. When – did you start therapy? Uh, so I started therapy uh, in fall 2015. Um, right. I did not want to, but I had opened up to a friend about the trauma that I had gone through. Uh, I was sexually assaulted. I don't know how like how detailed you want to get on like the podcast. Oh my god! Um, Literally, like as detailed as you want, or as not detailed as you want. Like it's oh, okay. it really just depends on the guest. Um, I have guests who are, like, so graphic and then others who, are like, aren't as open about sharing stuff, which is fun. And I love that because then it just shows how, like, everyone's at a different spot, you know? Yeah, definitely. And it used to be so hard for me to talk about these things. Um, but I've, I've yeah. found that it's it's better to be, like, open and, like, authentic with yeah. your story, you know? That it, you know, hurts less than putting on the pen face and keeping everything bottled up, you know? Um, but, yeah, Absolutely. so I started... Um, after I was sexually assaulted because I, I had confided in a friend about it and she was very worried about me. And at the time, I, I had been experiencing like mental health struggles for, you know, a lot of my life, but mm-hmm. I hadn't like really understood kind of what it was. And like, so I assumed, you know, I was fine. Nothing was happening. Like nothing happened. I was, you know, whatever. I didn't need to go to therapy because I was okay. Um, but she mm-hmm. kept nagging me and telling me like, she really wanted me to go to therapy. And finally I was like, okay, fine. Like just to get you <laughs> off my back, I will go to therapy. Right. Um, little did I know that was the single greatest decision I could have ever made. I, that, that therapist Aww. who I started seeing, I still see today. I actually saw her uh, earlier today. Um, oh, and wow. she, yeah, like I really, I, I don't know. Like I, I, I well, I, I, okay, I'll start over. I would not be alive probably <laughs> had I, had I not wow. started working with her. I'm just so, so passionate about like the work that like I've done with her and like, you know, therapy has been so life-changing and I know not everyone like has that experience because not every therapist is like great um but my therapist is like so great and I got really lucky that like she specifically was like a safe haven with everything that I was like going through and she continues to be today wow okay so when you went so you sounds like so I I believe you mentioned you went to therapy in college that was your first time correct yes when you so the therapist that you went to in college you still have today is that what you're yes. saying? Yes. Yes. Exactly. Okay. But then what happened with like the university and stuff like that? Like, you yes. Like, okay. Yeah. Yes. Uh, yeah. So that was, that was like separate from, from this therapist. Um, there, there were like a few different divisions of like safety and counseling at Penn. Um, so my therapist was through CAPS, which is their counseling and psychological services. She's the mm-hmm. one that I could trust who was like a good person. Um, and then there was also this other like part of that called us. Uh, 
Student Intervention Services, SIS or SIS. Um, mm-hmm. And that was more the like student safety. So I went there okay. um, to get a like a no contact order against the guy who assaulted me. So he couldn't like text me or sign into my dorm or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and like that's something that like my therapist could not grant. She didn't have access to that kind of thing, you know? Um, okay. And so I opened up to the people at Student Intervention Services about my mental health in the same way that I opened up to my therapist at Counseling and Psychological Services about my mental health. And Mm -hmm. whereas my therapist was great and very understanding and, you know, was holding my hand as I was getting through a really traumatic thing, um, Mm -hmm. the people at Student Intervention Services put me on, like, the high-risk file because I told them I was suicidal and then they were the ones who were pressuring me to, like, take a leave of absence and, like, not be on campus, even though I kept telling them, like, that's that would be actually, like, the worst thing for my mental health because I love school. I'm such a nerd. And, like, school was, like, one of the only things getting me through that time, including therapy, you know? Um, yeah. So, yeah, it was, like, kind of two different facets of the university that I was dealing with. One was amazing. One was horrible. Um, but even yeah. through my, like, the counseling and psychological services caps that I have my therapist through, um, I've for a brief period worked with a really invalidating like psychiatrist doctor um Mm -hmm. so like even I I learned I think a hard lesson that year that like not every adult is there to like help you um especially Mm -hmm. like I was a student Mm -hmm. I was 19 years old like I was a child I felt like um and like I thought I could trust people and like open up to people and like they would have my best interests in mind but that's again like that's not really what happened with most people you know I think that well I mean it's really important to stress that like sometimes you know, I think those resources are there for students who are like, I'm going through something or like, I, I'm stressed because I'm adjusting to college. But like, once it gets to that next level of like, I'm suicidal or I'm thinking about hurting somebody else or I'm thinking about hurting myself, they view you as a liability and not as a person. Um, and so like, I experienced something very, like scarily similar where, um, my, I had a sport, I uh, did diving in college, so I did like collegiate sports, and um, I had a sports psychologist who was incredible, like she, I mean, we stopped talking like a few years ago, but like even after I graduated, she would like send me pictures of like her baby and stuff, and like we kept in touch, um, but <clears throat> everybody else was like, no, you need to go to the hospital, you need to go to the hospital, because like if I were to attempt suicide, they're like, it's, it's a money issue, which is mm. like really sad to say that, but like that's kind of how it was, and then like especially too like it wasn't I didn't really deal so much with the school I don't I dealt with mostly like issues with mental health in the NCAA um because like for me it was more of um like I opened up to my coach like I like was struggling so hard like I couldn't tell anybody that I was like self-harming and I told um my coach finally to be like okay what should I do like maybe he could help me and he basically was like okay, well, like, you got to keep your problems, like, outside the pool, because I was a diver. Like, he was like, you got- yeah, and so, like, basically, that was, like, the gist of the response, was kind of, like, fuck off, or, like, practice, or get the fuck out of here kind of thing, and I felt like that I was, like, treated very unfairly, and, like, even my, even my therapist, like, sat down with me and my coach, and I was like, hey, I want you to know that, like, this isn't me. Like, I, I, I'm like, I've tried every which way with my coach. Like, I feel like he doesn't understand, and she was sitting with me, in a meeting with him and she she was a therapist like a professional therapist and eyeing me like a friend I was being like what the fuck is wrong like what is wrong with this guy like because she was like I don't think he like gets life like I don't think he gets it and like understand what's going on and it's more of like it's more of like those people who just like gloss over the issues because they're so afraid to dive into what's really going on because if they do then there's like a liability and so I feel like for me 
the experience was probably similar to you in the sense that like they wanted me to like get out of there and like quit and then you know go on my merry way because they wouldn't have to deal with my issues and Mm -hmm. like I just think that there's such a like it's really sad to see that because um every kid who does collegiate sports struggles with mental health because like it's the hardest balance in the world to do school and the sport at the same time and um they really like don't give a fuck um and there's no like like grace I feel like where it's like they just really want you to do your like therapy work so that they can feel less liable not because they have your best interests like you were saying yeah yeah oh that is so tough and so complicated I yeah (laughs) it's a lot of layers to it for sure Mm -hmm. but um so after you basically okay so did you end up getting like a grant against the person that um assaulted you yeah, I got a no contact order, um, but it wasn't anything legal. It was just through the university. Uh, I had okay. an opt, like the option to uh, like file a case against him with like the legal system, either like through Penn or through like the Philadelphia police. Um, mm-hmm. I decided not to because, unfortunately, a lot of people in my situation, um, the cases like they do not go in their favor, and it. A lot of my friends, because I, I was part of like a, a group therapy for people who had been like assaulted, and some of the people in that group mm-hmm. did indeed like you know have a case against their assaulter, and like the it was just like so unfair and like traumatic, and like the jury like and judges like had no sympathy for like the survivors <sighs> like at all, and like it yeah. it just seemed like an- another level of like trauma on top of an already traumatic. I was thing. just gonna ask like, is it almost not worth to pursue it because you don't want to put? It's almost like going through the yes. assault again, where you're just like exactly you're basically like, like we're taught too as like I'm sure as you teach people like it's not your fault like you're not like you're a victim like you're not like this isn't your fault type of thing, and I think when you are pursuing it against somebody, they almost like make you to believe that like it is because. Like, they never end up, it never really ends up in your favor. And it's really sad, but, like, I've heard, I mean, I've definitely heard that. Um, And I, so, wait, wait, let me ask you a question. (laughs) So, did you, when you um, were in that group therapy, was that, like, related to, um, like, were you in that group therapy on the college campus? Yes, yeah. So every okay. like therapy that I was doing was through like caps at Penn, um, like separate from my you know inter- bad interactions with sis. Um, so I did mm-hmm. that therapy for like two years, I think, like two different like sections of like the they called a group, um, and right. like that was really fun. And you know the people in that like I got close with them, so that was a really nice thing to do. And like at first, what the first year that I was in therapy, I didn't feel ready to be in a group like that because I was still very ashamed of my my feelings and ashamed of like Mm -hmm. and scared of like I guess sharing with people like what I was feeling um Mm -hmm. but then like after a year of therapy I grew a lot more comfortable kind of being open about what I was feeling so I felt more able to join the group and I was so so glad that I did because I was it was a great experience yeah and I think it's also too it like it's so liberating when you're around other people who are like survivors because you're able to like connect and share and then understand that you know, obviously, A, like, you're not going through it alone, but, like, B, that, like, you're, when you realize that you're not the only one going through it, like, you don't feel crazy. Like, I remember going to my first group therapy, and I I thought, like, I was the only one with, like, obsessive thoughts and intrusive thoughts. Then I met other people, and I was like, oh, this is, like, human shit. Like, people go through this. And it really, like, healed me to be around um, other people that were going through very similar things to me. Um, 
But did you end up, um, so did you stay there all four years? Yeah, yeah, um, I did. It was my sophomore year that I was assaulted and shit hit the fan, as we say. Um, yeah. the, it was like September of my sophomore year, so it was like the very beginning. It was it was a rough start. Um, and my parents wanted oh, yeah. me to transfer to like NYU or somewhere in the city because I'm from New mm-hmm. York City, so they wanted me okay. to be closer to home. But I like literally did not want to be anywhere near home. I, I needed my space. I, I like mm-hmm. needed that when I was like really, really feeling depressed. And and also because I, I did not feel able to really like open up to my family at that time about yeah. my struggles. Like the only person I really opened up to like for real that, you know, I was met with good stuff, good results was my therapist. Um, mm-hmm. And plus I, again, as I said earlier, like I just love school so much and I studied uh, English and creative writing at Penn and their program is just so unique and I knew I was not going to get the classes that I loved like anywhere mm. else literally and mm-hmm. so that made it worth staying plus I had my amazing therapist who I loved so there was enough good things about staying that it outweighed all of the like sad memories that like came with being like around campus you know yeah and I'm sure like having interests kept you there you know because like for me I like the diving was the thing that like made me leave I didn't really have another interest there to keep me staying there so I think that's really therapeutic almost too that you like had school to like distract you a little bit and to like dive deep into yeah it, it really is um and I I get what you're saying because I I I did have my like classes and my academics to cling to but one thing mm-hmm. that I lost unfortunately um was my my theater community I I do theater and mm-hmm. I was very very involved in it um mm-hmm. but it was a guy older than me like and higher up in the theater world than me um in like my play that I was doing who assaulted me um oh, and when God. yeah and people like liked him more knew him more um a lot of people like stopped being my friend and I wasn't cast in any plays after that so like I kind of I oh did lose God. yeah it was it was bad and it was very hard because I love theater I was yeah. a theater minor too and so like there were other theater opportunities separate from like that specific community but like I lost friends and I lost the community and had I not had my like English program I I might have wanted to leave because like Mm -hmm. I could have found a different theater community elsewhere that would have been better I'm sure you know yeah that's a lot (laughs) that's like I mean because you know when you're when you do something you love and then the the thing that you love you're like in the you know you're assaulted in the environment that like is a safe space for you it's very difficult I mean like I've experienced um some very weird situations in the comedy community um and it makes it awkward to go back to those mm. places where I see the same people that have done. I, I, I like I can't talk about it on this podcast because I know people listen to it that are in the comedy community. But like there have been people who have done like some shady shit to me, and um, it's very it makes it very difficult to want to go back to those places. Um, it's very anxiety provoking. It's very like it doesn't feel like a safe space. Um, but. You said that you had a really hard time, like, opening up about stuff, which I'm sure also made it worse that, like, this person that assaulted you was, like, liked in the community. Um, What was, like, the final straw for you to, like, open up about it? Was it your therapist or group therapy or, like, what was it? Um, I mean, to open up specifically to the theater community, it was kind of like out of necessity because um, he was the producer of a play that I was acting in and Mm -hmm. I there were supposed to be like weekly um like meetings that i was supposed to attend that were run by him he was supposed to be at a lot of the rehearsals he was supposed to be like at the performances and i did not want him there and in order to like 
get him to not be there I had to explain like why I wanted that um and it was it was met with like mixed reviews some people like told me I was just like starting drama and like you know other people seemed genuinely concerned but like didn't quite know what to do with me and I feel like that's kind of like the overarching like thing of how people treated me like they like didn't just they didn't really know what to do with me they you know no one had really I guess dealt with someone who was like deeply struggling or like they were so used to everyone having pen face on that like when they saw like a little crack in that they got scared and like didn't really know what to do you know which was hard yeah it's very hard but I also think it like speaks to like the bystander effect where it's like Mm. that is sometimes way more hurtful than like people who just like I don't know I just think that that is so it's such a difficult thing to experience because it's almost like you know when you were talking about how if you do go to a jury they're kind of just going to turn you away and that's almost like getting assaulted again and I think it's kind of similar where if people are you know standing by you and not really saying anything like I experienced a very similar thing where like I know the people you know I was a diver so like if I had if I was self-harming like people saw that shit you know and um I knew people saw it and they never said anything and like that almost hurt more because I thought they were like my teammates and I could trust them and like if I was going through something like they would at least be like hey is everything okay um but everyone kind of like turned their back towards me because like they were like, well, I got to dive and I got to do my shit. And, you know, I get in and I, I forgive them because, like, for myself. <laughs> so yes. I don't, like, hold that. I, I don't harbor any resentment. But I also think it's, like, really important, too, and I'm sure you talk about this, like, because you educate people about this, that, like, there are certain action steps that you can take without them being so drastic of being, like, well, I have to go report that. Like, sometimes just asking someone, like, how can I help is enough to make a difference or an impact in their day and to like brighten their day and lessen their anxiety you know yeah yeah definitely um yeah like that just reminded me of the the director actually of like the play that I was in um not like the producer he's a different guy uh Mm -hmm. he yeah just clarifying that for anyone who's listening no Um, no you're good yes (laughs) he uh, at the like cast party of like that play that was like so that I I, I continued acting in it like throughout it um Mm -hmm. I remember he came up to me and he was like oh like are you okay? Like, I was so worried about you, but this was, like, you know, a th- three months after things happened, like, after the play was over. No, like, you weren't. No, you weren't. No, yeah, you exactly. Weren't. Like, I kept thinking, like, why Why didn't you Bullshit. ask me how I was, like, two months ago then? Like, right. you're right. Like, sometimes all it takes is going up to somebody and saying, like, how are you? Like, how can I help you? You know, I'm mm-hmm. here for you. Just, le- just letting you know. Like, you know, that it speaks volumes, even if it seems like a small gesture. Like, yeah. So, no, yeah. it really does. And, like, even people, like, because the thing is, is sometimes it's hard, too, to be, like, no, I didn't want people to be like, hey, what, like, are you self-harming? But it's more just like, sometimes if you ask people just like, what's going on in your life, they'll eventually open up to you. You know, like if you're hurting really bad, I feel like if you give somebody the space to open up just a little bit and you really allow them to like tell you about their life and like what's going on, it's going to eventually lead to something that's like, okay, let me t- talk to you about what's going on. Like, cause if you make someone feel comfortable, they're going to feel comfortable telling you, you know, like if you're in the same like theater program or whatever, you're going to feel comfortable like talking about like how you don't feel safe in that space kind of thing. And I think it's really important to stress that because I think people get so like worked up and anxious to like ask people that, but you don't have to ask like what happened and who did it. And you know, like all like these intense questions, like you literally can just ask them, Hey, how was your day? And that might open up a can of worms that you, like, never thought could be open. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I've been thinking about that a lot as I'm, like, preparing to start school because Mm -hmm. um, part of my, like, 
classwork will be doing like an internship and like having clients and like being a therapist and training kind of yeah and I've been I've been thinking a lot about kind of like what you know what the role of the therapist is and I think the the biggest thing the most important thing is just to simply like make space for somebody to feel comfortable and validated and affirmed in sharing their truth mm-hmm. and I think you know anyone can make space for somebody to share their truth that you don't have to be like a trained person to do that and no. I think it just speaks to exactly you know what you just said that it just sim- simply you know asking someone how you know how their day has been it might, it might mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. that and alone might you know open up a can of worms as you said but like that can be you know it, it means a lot for people who are struggling to see that there's, you Well, know, yeah, because, like, I think when you're going through that, like, I know when I felt like that, just somebody asking me, like, how I was, I was already so low that, like, that I, I really just wanted to talk about it because I didn't yeah. feel, I didn't feel like I could with, you know, I felt like I could with certain people. I'm, like, I'm really an open book, but, like, when I get in that, like, dark, 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 dark place, it's a whole nother ballgame. Like, you know, when I'm, when I'm, like, mildly anxious, like, I talk to all my friends about it. I'm, like, here's what's going on. Here's what's going on. And, but when I get into that, like, deep, deep space, no one knows what's going on. Like, it's like a cloud, and it's like, I'm not going to let you in unless you're going to beg me, you know? So I think, like, it's really, it's hard once you're in that really dark place, but I think just asking people simple questions is super important. Um, But I wanted to ask you, too, like, how did you get started? Like, I know you said you opened up and stuff like that. Um, How did you get started with, like, educating people about it and, like, knowing you know like what your role was in like educating yeah yeah um so my my role in the world and the things that I've like you know done and pursued since graduating it's been like a little bit of a roller coaster um so <laughs> I, I graduated from college in 2018 and at first I did teach for America um so I was quite literally a teacher like I was a middle school teacher um I taught seventh and eighth grade English and I I thought it was going to be great because I was always very passionate about education, like I always have been. Um, but the like that particular setting like did not quite work out, and I realized like Teach for America is not such a great organization after all. And so I had to, and also yeah, that speaking of mental health, that it like really, really you know was just damaging my mental health, like the the environment that I was in, and like I was wow. trying to kind of like ask for help, and people weren't understanding. It was like another situation like that, and so I had to make the really tough choice to leave that because I realized like no job is worth your mental health. Like I I need mm-hmm. to be in a better space. But then I mm-hmm. accidentally fell into the field of marketing just because I was like looking for a job because I did not have a job all of a sudden um and I started doing marketing and then um last year or I guess it was two years ago now um I was just like you know scrolling through like YouTube Instagram social media different things like that um because I was like struggling with my gender identity trying to figure things out um Mm -hmm. and like I I through social media was able to kind of like understand my my gender fluid like non-binary identity um Mm -hmm. and like the the amalgamation the combination of all of these things like having now a background in both education and marketing and realizing the power of social media through like being able to discover my own identities like all of those just came crashing together and I realized that like what I you know I I could use the skills that I have and the knowledge that I've kind of like accumulated over the past few years to do something like really good and helpful in the world and Mm -hmm. spread this like education or like this queer gospel as I like to call it um that Mm -hmm. I have like discovered for myself and like hopefully Mm -hmm. help other people um so that was like a kind of roundabout way of saying it all but like it was a very roundabout like adventure of getting here I feel like you know um Mm -hmm. I really I was not expecting to like 
you know, be a social media educator first thing out of college, like when I was, yeah, exactly. When I was thinking my career path, but like, it makes so much sense now. And I, Mm -hmm. I love doing it. And that's why now I'm going to grad school so I can like, just be an educator and like, you know, help people in the way that I have been helped by like the, the therapy community and world. Yeah. That's, that's amazing. I, um, I mean, I do this podcast to help people too. Like I, cause I, love I mean I love doing comedy I love talking so you know podcasting is like perfect for me but I feel like um once you find I mean once you find like your true purpose there's like really nothing better than that and also like helping people there's also no better feeling than helping people especially helping people that have been through similar shit because like you almost feel like when they get help you're like getting going through it with them almost um and I was gonna ask you too like can you share some stories of like people who have been through similar situations to you that you felt like your education has really helped them? Yeah, um, I get a lot of messages from different people, um, people who I like don't know and also people who I do know saying that they have either like been able to figure out their identities or like whether that's their LGBTQ identity or some aspect of their like mental health identity or or something else like through through my videos um Mm -hmm. and a lot of the time it's because um their identity is like not one that is really like spoken about a lot like I'm right now I'm thinking specifically of this one sexuality called Neptunic um that means Mm -hmm. you're attracted to women and non-binary people um Mm -hmm. it's very similar to like lesbian but like I've had a lot of people reach out to me after seeing my video saying like wow like that really describes what I was feeling and like you know I thought that I had to kind of settle for the word lesbian but like it never felt right and now all of a sudden I have this word that feels right and that's like my favorite kind of message to receive because that's exactly how I felt when I was discovering my gender um Mm. I was like really confused about what I was experiencing and I felt like I didn't have a word to describe it and like I, I had the word, like, non-binary, but, like, that didn't feel right. Like, I knew that there was something mm. deeper. Um, and then, like, when I found the word gender fluid through social media, through people like me who are making educational videos, mm-hmm. it was just a, a game changer. And so when I can, like, help people with that, like, that's my favorite thing to do. Yeah, that's that's incredible. Did you – so, like, when did you – what age were you when you figured it out? And was it, like, one video or was it, like, a couple of them that you're like, oh, this seems right? Yeah, um, so I discovered I was gender fluid when I was 23, um, so that was fall 2019, and then I didn't come out till I was 24, like, the next spring, um, mm-hmm. so that was, like, about a year ago, but um, it was it was a lot of different videos. I, I had just discovered my lesbian identity, like, a few years before that, when I was 20, um, and mm-hmm. shortly after, I realized I was a lesbian, um, which actually, it all comes full circle, that was, like, about a year after, like, therapy started, and, like, it was through kind of, like, working on myself in therapy and like learning more about myself that I eventually figured out like my sexuality and then eventually my gender, which is great. Mm. Um, but yeah, like I had started like feeling like I wasn't quite a woman, like something was happening, but I again, didn't have like the language to articulate it. And I kind of suffered in silence with that for three years, um, from 2017 to 2019, because I just didn't understand what was happening and I was scared. Uh, but then I started like, it just, it hurt too much to not do something about. So I started just like looking up, videos on YouTube about being trans, being non-binary, LGBTQ identities, all these different things that I found all these amazing creators and like just watched all of their things and like, um, you know, some of them do similar content to me where they just share like overall about different LGBTQ identities and experiences. Um, there's one creator in particular named Ash Hardell who's been like really, mm-hmm. really amazing. Um, mm-hmm. And like they had a video that mentioned being gender fluid 
And then I heard that word and I was like, oh, wait, I think that's me. And I, I knew, like, as soon as I heard it, that that was me. And it was wonderful. Oh, that must be, like, such a good feeling. Because, like, it's I don't... The best. I obviously don't know, like, what... It, it's like, you know, but I... The only thing I can relate to that was, like, I felt like when I went to the hospital and I attempted suicide, like, that was my breaking point was when I attempted suicide and, like, kind of, like, got better after that. Um mm-hmm. I went to the hospital and this one woman, I don't know how she knew. Like I literally met her for maybe like 10 minutes. She was like, you have really bad OCD. Like I think that mm. that's what your thing is. Cause I always felt like I was just like major depressive disorder, eating disorder, anxiety. And I was like, I'm not all of this. You know what I'm saying? Like I just, I was like, I'm not, not like I'm not crazy, but like I'm not a bundle of diagnoses. Like there should be just one thing that I am that kind of describes my general demeanor and like how I act and you know, like thoughts, behavior, actions, like that sort of thing. And she sat me down and she was like, I think you have OCD. And she's like, does this bother you? Like she would do things. And I was like, yeah. And she's like, why? And I was like, because like, if you don't do it this way, like I will freak out, you know? And Mm -hmm. so she was like, well, it seems like you have these obsessions. And then, and I always knew I had OCD, but I didn't know that like my eating disorder was OCD. I had no idea. Like my eating disorder was like, I had to eat the same thing at the same time. And if I didn't, it would just breed a whole level of anxiety that just like, wasn't it wasn't comfortable to be in my body you know like it was just Mm -hmm. very uncomfortable I felt like I was crawling out of my own skin I felt like I was doing something wrong you know and then after that I went to OCD therapy I did exposure therapy which was like hell but also like changed my whole entire life um and that for me finding that identity being like no this isn't my like ADHD it's like no I'm distracted because I'm obsessing over something and I have anxiety because I'm obsessing over something like so like the OCD thing is really like what I have um and like what I guess my identity is um and like finding that for me was also like super relieving because I felt like I finally found my like mental health identity so that was like very relieving for me um and it felt like I fit I fit into a box that I was like, okay, this makes sense, you know? Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, And that was like, yeah, and it was just, it felt so good. I don't know who this woman is. Like, I want to give her a shout out. But, like, she worked at this hospital and was like, how did you know? And she referred me to this exposure therapy and it, like, changed my whole world. Like, I still use coping skills to this day that I use in exposure therapy. Um, But, like, it really changed my whole perception on like, okay, no, I have depression because I'm stuck with these obsessive thoughts. Not I'm depressed because I have depression, if that makes sense. Um, and like, I think the depression, it's all a result from OCD. So like, I know that that's like, they, I, I sometimes, I don't know if like people know this, but like a lot of times too, when you go to therapy, they'll like make charts and stuff where it's like things start here and then they kind of like branch out into other areas. But like at the top of the pyramid, like is my OCD. Um, and that's really kind of like what trickles down into like my anxiety and my depression and stuff like that. Um, but did you, so when you started, when you found your identity, what was the transition from knowing who you were to, okay, let me talk to other people about it and like educate them. Yeah. Yeah. And you're asking specifically about my like LGBTQ identities. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I, at first, was not going to talk to people specifically about my gender identity. Like, I didn't feel like it was necessary to come out. I had already come out, like, very publicly as a lesbian, like, the few years prior to that. And, like, I didn't feel like it was important or, like, people needed to know. Um, Mm -hmm. But then as I started 
I, I, I knew I wanted to like grow my social media page um, because I had gained all these like marketing skills, but I wasn't really like applying them to anything that I was super passionate about. And I wanted mm-hmm. to like do something good in the world, you know, um, and like, you know, the, the two main things that I have really dealt with and and I guess grappled with in my life are my like mental health and LGBTQ identities and struggles. Um, so I knew that the, that specific niche was something that I was really passionate about. Um, and I also knew that if I wanted to share like on my story or whatever I wanted to talk about, like I wanted to be, you know, authentic and real about it. And that included talking about my gender and, you know, telling people that I was using different pronouns and like putting those in my bio and all that. Like mm-hmm. I, I needed to, to share openly about my identities in order to be the authentic person that I was trying to be. Um, mm-hmm. And it was really scary because I, I don't know, your, your gender seems so personal and like sexuality is personal too, but like that was something that it was, would have been like, you know, harder to hide, I guess, uh, because I'm, mm. you know, very publicly dating a woman right now. Like if I'm, yeah. if, you know, if I'm dating a woman, like people are going to guess that like I'm not straight, I'm going to guess. Um, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, you maybe so. she's not straight, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But like if you look at me, you're not going to know that I'm gender fluid just by looking at me because that's mm-hmm, not something mm-hmm. that's, like gender is not something that you can see in a person. Um, mm-hmm. So it wasn't, it didn't feel like as necessary to share, but like, I'm so glad that I have talked about it. It talks so openly about my identities because I've met, you know, other people who struggled like me with, with their mental health and that relating to their LGBTQ identities and like them, you know, not being their authentic selves. Um, and also like a, a huge thing that I was kind of struggling with, with my own identities. And a reason why it took me so long to figure out my gender was um, I was scared that if I, was gender fluid and not a woman that I couldn't be a lesbian and I really like mm. being a lesbian. Yeah, mm. so I had this whole like internal conflict with that for several years, but I've realized there are non-binary lesbians out there, which is wonderful and I'm <laughs> one of them. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. It, yeah. But no, I know someone who yeah. is. Like I've I've met a few. <laughs> like yeah. Many, yeah, it's a real thing. It for sure exists. Yeah. It exists That's, indeed. Yeah. <laughs> but like I've seen that so many other people are have struggled with that fear as well. And like mm-hmm. it feels similar to kind of my my mental health in that I assumed that like I was alone in my struggles. I assumed that mm-hmm. no one else was having like this identity crisis with their sexuality yes. and gender, you know? Mm-hmm. Um but like that's not the case. So many people are struggling and you know people are have more in common with their struggles than you would think you know yeah no I think that's really important to stress too is that like even like I'm straight but like there are times where I'm just like oh maybe I'd hook up with a girl you know what I mean like I think there's like I think there's like certain um I mean we I mean I literally studied this because I I was a psych major um we studied how and, and in philosophy how like our world is so um binary like we're Mm -hmm. so obsessed with like black and white and like straight and gay and like you know you're this or you're that and it just like no there's like a whole gray area and I think it's also really important for people to understand that like there is a spectrum for everything you know like my brother has autism but autism but he's not like nonverbal. he's very high functioning like there's a whole entire spectrum of like pretty much every identity that's out there. Um, and I think I think it's important to stress that like if people feel like they're in between something, it's not that there's something wrong with you. It's like you're normal. It's just our world is so stressed, these two polar opposites, that if you feel like you don't fit into one, you might feel, you know, stigmatized. Um, and well, I wanted to ask you too, so what, so you said that you really struggled with coming out as gender fluid, but not so much as coming out as a lesbian. It, was that because you, didn't 
was that because of stigma or like what was really the the internal struggle that you were dealing with? Because um, I, yeah, I, 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 I might have answered it already, but like I just want to know like really what was like like is this like a common thing? Because I really haven't talked to people who have like struggled with this that much. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I I think one of, one part of it was uh, stigma and maybe like the lack of education and awareness about being gender mm-hmm. fluid and being non-binary or trans in general. Um, mm-hmm. People, if you tell if you say like I'm a lesbian, people tend to get that. Uh, but I felt like there had to be a lot more explanation with my gender fluid identity and also reassurance that it didn't like it didn't change anything about how people knew me it was just a different a better word to describe myself um Mm -hmm. so so there was that but um I was also in kind of like a tough relationship at the time um my ex uh was not very she was supportive of my identity but she was not as supportive of me kind of like coming out and she really like leaned into I guess my fears that like it wasn't necessary to come out and she kind of put it in my head that like people wouldn't care or like it was going to be like a burden on people and different things it was a very toxic relationship for many reasons but yeah Yeah. like she I opened up to her about kind of what I was thinking and she put that in my head and then I kind of ran with that and didn't tell people for a while um but then Mm. like again as I was really starting to do my social media work about like you know five or six months like after I first discovered my gender I realized like you know, if I'm going to be sharing here, I need to be the real me and this is the real me. And so I'm going to, I'm going to tell people, you know, but that's like, that is, I was, I was going to talk about that earlier, but then I think we got sidetracked. Like, I think that's so important to, if you're going to help people, you need to fully be yourself because at, at some point it's like a little bit of a lie if you're trying to help people and you're not fully yourself because you need to, um, authentically be you in order to help other people you know? Exactly. Um, So like, I think recognizing that and coming out is incredible, especially when you've been like shamed almost. I don't want to like, you know, kind of shit talk your ex, but I will. Um, (laughs) Yeah, we can. It's okay. (laughs) Yeah. But like, I'm just saying it's, it's interesting because like, you know, you're already struggling with something that like is more of, I guess, like we can say a newer topic in society. It's not newer. It's just newer, I guess, knowledge slash education. Um, and then you probably already feel some shame because somebody's telling you like, oh, it's not important to come out. And then you're like, oh, should I? And then that probably sparks a whole nother layer of anxiety about coming out. Um, but to be authentically yourself and to, you know, I think that's the best way to help other people because, you know, if you're going to not open up about everything, there's no way that you can help people because you don't, there's certain things that you're just not going to talk about because you can't relate to them. Um, like I know one of my biggest things that I had a hard time talking about was my eating disorder and I felt super shameful about it. Um, and once I started to open up about it with people on my podcast, I like immediately felt like I wasn't almost like living a lie, if that makes sense. Mm. Um, because I felt like if I didn't open up about it, I was hiding some part of myself that, um, could help other people. And then also, you know, I don't, yeah, I I just think it's really, I I don't know. I just think it's really important to just fully understand your identity before you're going to help somebody else. Um, and I don't know if you, do you feel that way? Oh, I, yeah, no, I definitely, definitely agree. Um, and you know, I, I have also struggled with an eating disorder. I also like continue to struggle with it and I don't really talk about that like that much on my page. Cause like, Mm -hmm. I feel like a lot of, what I talk about is like things that have happened in the past and it can be kind of scary to talk about things that are like ongoing. And so, so true. So yeah, 
Yeah, I haven't made any, like, recent posts about my eating disorder. I definitely, like, mm-hmm. want to, especially now that I'm talking about it here because it's, like, something that's... <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. No, 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 but there's also a difference between, like, being ready to talk about it and then also just not choosing to talk about it. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, if you're not yeah. ready... Like, because, like, cause, like, I talk about my eating disorder... Like, I could talk about it with anybody, but, like, on stage, I'm not ready to talk about it, you know? And that's not, that's not, like, I'm not authentically myself on stage. It's just, like, I'm not ready to talk about it. Like, I I can, but, like, I've tried to do a couple bits about it, and I just, like, kind of got shameful about it. And usually when I do bits about, like, like, I, was, I joke about, like, attempting suicide, and that's actually, like, my closer. Like, it gets, like, the most laughs. And, like, <laughs> nice. it's, like, it's, like it's because I think I'm, I was ready to talk about that. My eating disorder, I think, like, it's it's a little bit more of a shameful thing because it's something that... I feel like was super tied to my identity just because like I was a gymnast and a diver and like mm. always like, yeah. And I grew up in like a very like, t- I mean, everyone's like 90 pounds. Like it's very like, there's like one body type, if that makes sense. Like where I yeah. grew up, it was like, you're either this or you're fat. And I hate to say that word, but like, that's, that's how, you know, where I was raised. Yeah. And that's the message um, that was being given to you. Yeah. And so for me, like, I struggled with like knowing that like naturally I have a muscular body and like I'm a gymnast and I'm a diver and like no matter how much like I'm like the the smallest I've ever been but like I'm still muscular you know like I'm still always gonna like be able to arm wrestle any person and like win you know (laughs) because like I just all (laughs) but no but I've always been like that and I think it's super but our society like has real I mean we've made a long way with that kind of stuff of knowing like you know the whole body positivity thing and like understanding that like not everybody looks the same and like it's okay to be who you are and 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 everything like that but I think it's like really hard to um to go back to what you were saying to talk about things that are currently happening because when you're done processing something it's easier to talk about because you're ready to help other people but when you're going through something it's really hard to open up because like it, you're so much more vulnerable because it's your reality right now. It's not your mm-hmm. past. Um, and especially with the eating disorder thing too, like I don't think people really understand. Um, that was, I mean, beyond my OCD, that was the hardest thing for me to get over. Like the single, like I felt like I was living in a prison mm. um, because I was, you know, I, I mean, the rule, the prison was me though. Like I made all the rules and if I broke the rules, like the only person that was going to punish me was me. Yeah. And I think it's really important for people to know that, that it's not like, it's not a choice. It's not like I'm going, you know, I had, I don't really know exactly what eating disorder I had. I really think it was OCD um, that like controlled my eating. Um, but I definitely like dabbled, if you will, into like bulimia and I had Mm -hmm. like a lot of anorexic tendencies where like I would, um, I mean, I do put a trigger warning in my podcast. I would like eat like 900 calories a day and then I would have two practices a day and like, I, Mm. I, and it was just really difficult. And, um, that was the thing that like made me attempt suicide was that I ate a donut. I don't even think Mm. I've talked about this. I ate a donut and I was like, I shouldn't have done that. And then I attempted suicide. Like, that's like the one thing that like put me over the edge. Um, and it, I'd like, it sounds so silly now. No, 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 like, it doesn't. I During I, the I, moment, yeah. like I was like, oh no, like I, the right thing is to do to, to kill myself. I ate a fucking donut. You know, like I like, I was like, it's, yeah, yeah. It's very interesting because I actually, um, I started self-harming for the first time when I was 17 um, because mm-hmm. I binge ate for the first time and felt so ashamed mm. that I needed to, like, do something. So it's very interesting that we both had, like, reactions like that. Yeah, no, I th- that was, like, the one disorder that really 
fucked my brain for mm-hmm. a long time. Like it, it really like, I remember like, I think it was the only disorder it's OCD and eating that really gave me my first out of body experience. I remember like calling my mom and like, I would like weigh myself and then know the number and then weigh myself again after I ate and then know the number and then like calculate. Like I was so good at math and I never been good at math before. Oh my God. Same. Like I could do mental addition all of a sudden. Oh my God. Literally. I was horrible in math at school, but I was like, I could tell you how many calories are on this table in five seconds. And like, I would just like be so upset about it. And I remember calling my mom because I like ate ice cream or something. And I was like, I don't know what to do. I'm going to like, I'm going to die. Like I literally thought I was going to die because I ate ice cream. Like I, th- I thought the world was ending. And like, mm-hmm. that was the hardest disorder for me to get over. And so I think like, it's not that I don't talk about it. It's just like, I'm not really ready to laugh about it as much because yeah. it, it really messed up my way of thinking. That makes complete sense. Yes. Yeah. Um, was your, I mean, typically eating disorders are like, and you don't have to share if you don't want to, but I'd like to ask you a question. <laughs> Is um, typically eating disorders are like a way to control things that are like typically out of your control. What was like your, like, have you always had one or like, was it recent or like? Yeah. I mean, I think it, it came from a lot of like societal pressure for what the ideal like woman's body quote unquote like looked like. Um, and mm-hmm. I... I started dating really young when I was 14 and that's kind of when a lot of my mental health things started because I entered into a lot of, I was very insecure and I entered into a lot of relationships where I was like taken advantage of and I became very self-conscious about like how people thought of me and like what I looked like and different things Mm -hmm. in order to be like, you know, to achieve some standards so people would like me or want to be around me, you know? Um, Mm -hmm. And so I, you know, I tried to make my body look like what I thought a an ideal woman's body like looked like which was different from my how my body just is you know Mm -hmm. um and I tried to make my personality what people wanted it to be like I I I was Mm. living a very inauthentic version of myself trying to be the ideal person for somebody else because Mm -hmm. I was just so lonely and I just wanted somebody to like pay attention to me and love me and like you know Mm -hmm. but I was so I didn't think people could love me for me so I I was somebody else you know um Mm -hmm. but as I, like, you know, went through my life and, like, learned more about my my identity, specifically, like, my LGBTQ identities, that's been, mm-hmm. I guess, like, a huge game changer in, like, my eating disorder and my relationship with my body because I've realized, first of all, I mean, I've realized, like, there is no ideal woman's body that's, like, not a thing, but also I'm not a woman. And so, like, there's no, there's <laughs> certainly no ideal yeah, gender like, well, scratch body. that. Yeah. Literally, literally. Yeah. And, like, that, ha- that has been, like, a huge weight off my shoulders because, like, I realized, like, yeah. I, my body is perfect as is because this is what a gender fluid body looks like because there, there right. is no one way, you know? Hell Which, yeah. It, that's yeah. amazing. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, so I'm going to ask you like, a few more questions and then we're going to wrap up. But I wanted to ask you like, so what would your, because like your, I mean, everybody's, um, <clears throat> I guess, realization of their identity is completely different, but also like kind of the same just because like we're all kind of similar in the end. Um, but what, (laughs) I always believe that I'm like, we're all human, but like, what's your, what would your advice be for people who are just like confused about their identity and like the way to, not the way to find it, but the way to like feel a little bit more comfortable and less anxious about it. 
Yeah, great question. Um, I'll first say that there is nothing wrong with being confused about your identity. I was very Mm -hmm. confused about my identity for several years, and that's okay. And, like, there's no rush to figuring out who you are. I really Mm -hmm. do believe that people will find themselves and understand themselves in time, but things sometimes do take time. And it's important to just, you know, have grace with yourself and be patient and know that, you know, even if you're struggling with something right now, it doesn't mean that it'll always be that way and things probably will get better in the future and you'll understand more about yourself as time comes. Yeah. A thousand percent. Um, and then the other question I had too was like, what's your, cause I know you're going to school for social work. What's your, like, I know obviously your whole thing is like education, um, awareness, but what is your law? Like if you were like my long-term like ideal purpose of what I'm doing, like what would your like dream, like dream purpose of what you're doing be? Yes, another great question. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so I mean, my my dream like purpose in in life, I think, is to mm-hmm. help people in the in the topics and kind of niches and realms that I, I'm passionate about, which mm-hmm. right now is really LGBTQ mental health. Um, mm-hmm. And I don't know exactly what form that will take. Um, and I'm hoping to learn more about this through school. Like I might, yeah. I might be a therapist. Who knows? I don't really right. see myself as that role like right now working full time mm-hmm. as that but like I might fall in love with it um or I might want to be like a community organizer and activist like who knows I, I don't know I feel like the great thing about social work is that it's such a broad field and mm. there's so many different types of jobs and things you can do within it and yeah. I know that like my passions of you know LGBTQ mental health education and visibility like that specific passion I can pursue that through the lens of social work. So whatever, whatever form that takes, I'm very open to it. What? So typically like, it it depends on like how the podcast goes, but I just wanted to ask, I did ask you like advice for like people who are struggling with their identity, but like, um, I know you are like a big, um, advocate for like LGBTQ and stuff like that. Like what would be a piece of advice that you would give to somebody who's like struggling with coming out with who knows their identity, but like the stigma is very um, heavy on them. Yeah. um, Well, I mean the the first most important thing when coming out is to make sure that you're like physically safe. Um, Not everybody is in a physically safe enough environment to come out and you always want to prioritize your safety over anything. Um, Mm -hmm. But you know, if you are afraid to, you know, come out, um, I like to tell people, like, it doesn't have to be a whole big, like, sit-down conversation Mm. with your family where you're, like, Mm -hmm. revealing your inner souls. Like, (laughs) I came out via text. I wrote something, like, beforehand because, like, I just had too much anxiety to have, like, a conversation. So I knew my family would be accepting, but, like, I didn't feel comfortable with that. And, like, coming out is about you. And so in, like, whatever ways feel best for you, whether that's, you know, sending a text or, like, writing a letter or, like, coming out online via social media or just, like, hanging up a flag in your room and seeing what happens, you know, there, there's yeah. more than just, like, the one understood way to come out and yeah. you can do, like, whatever feels best for you, I think. That's literally, I mean, that's kind of what we were talking about earlier. It's, like, there's a whole spectrum of things. Like, it's not like you mm-hmm. need to, like, you know, have a whole entire coming out party with your family and like feeling unsafe (laughs) in that moment you can do that thing like hanging up the flag or whatever like my friend in college I was like thousand percent sure he was gay and I mean we like lived together and stuff and um he came out (laughs) he's very funny but he came out um he posted the Ellen DeGeneres like I'm gay like (laughs) Just, just, Amazing. just, the, just the time article on his Instagram. People were like, all right, Ryan's gay. Like, cause like we all knew, but like, I think it was his way of being like, all right, I don't, he, you know, he came from, um, 
like more of a repressed environment. Um, and so like, you know, from the South. So I think for him, like that was a way to reveal his identity in a safe way. And that was like also so on brand for him, um, like very on brand. And I loved it. And I think that that's super, super important to stress to people that like, if you are going to come out, you don't need to like make it as big as you, your, you know, your anxiety tells you it needs to be. Um, exactly. Yeah. So, okay. Quick thing. Do you, Oh, I'm, I'm such like in comedian world. I'm like, do you have any shows coming up? Um, <laughs> do you, <laughs> do you want to plug your Instagram and then any other educational tools that you're using to kind of help the community? Yeah, definitely. Um, so you can find me on most social media platforms at Zoe mm-hmm. Stoller, Z-O-E-S-T-O-L-L-E-R. Um, my main two are Instagram and TikTok, but I also make like YouTube videos and different things. Um, yeah, so definitely check out my pages on, you know, all those different platforms. Um, but like these platforms are so, they're, they're just huge like resources for knowledge Mm -hmm. and information about, you know, LGBTQ mental health, but also like every other topic. So like to anyone who's listening, you know, whatever you're interested in and whatever you want to like learn more about, whether or not it relates to you, like social mm-hmm. media is like one of the best free tools to do that. Just, yeah. you know, go searching and you'll find you'll find what you're right. looking for. For sure. For sure. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for doing the podcast. You were amazing. Yes. Thank you so much. I'm so honored you invited <laughs> me. And like, this is such yeah, a great conversation. Like I could talk all night about this. It's just so oh, great yeah, to me like, too talk about this stuff i love it (laughs) me too me too i'm very happy you came on and um please remember to rate review subscribe to the podcast and thank you so much for listening to doing time